We lost Maran Saratir Rabkhaim Kanyaskis Fusyoganalenu. Abada, there are so many people who have spoken about him. But for us in this room and for parents who are struggling with Khinach issues and way out of Khinach issues, he left us a lot of information. So I just want to share some of the things that I know about that he said that we can keep with us. In Minchas Taida, Taira number 259, he said, There is no heter to, to embarrass or to degrade a child. All the rules of Ben Adam Lechaveray apply to our relationship with children. No heter to shame or insult a child. And he issued an instruction that the concept of not shaming children must be a central topic of educational speeches to parents and educators. This is very interesting because for some reason, parents and teachers, some parents and some teachers, sometimes think that a child is a kid. So you can embarrass him. You can do things, let's say for chinuch, you can do chinuch in front of other people, but you're not allowed to. Even if you have to do some kind of chinuch intervention on the child, but you have no right to embarrass him in front of the siblings, he has feelings. And a child's feelings are a human being's feelings. Part of being a child is he's going to grow up, and if his feelings are damaged, he's going to be a damaged adult. So we have to remember this. Chinuch is, there's a lot of chinuch, a lot of different ways of doing chinuch, but hurting a child in any way is not part of chinuch. Not for parents and not for mechanchim. At the 10th Chinuch meeting of Shvat 5776, when Maren was asked, how should one deal with Bachram, who are far from being involved in learning? And he answered, parents must daven and continue to daven, and the Machanchim too must daven for them. That's how you deal with kids who are not interested in learning. Tefillah and tefillah and tefillah, as he said many times. In Lasseis Imunu Lechanech Ba'ahava, page 121, now this is very important. Chinuch must be accomplished by setting a personal example and not with pressuring or force on the child. Now what does this mean? Reb Chaim was not this um, modern day, right, uh, kind of new agey kind of thing. Reb Chaim was the Gadol Adar of, of, of a connection to the Chazanish and stipler of the Chazanish and this was serious. This was real serious people. And when it comes to chinuch, he says the chinuch is on yourself. He, he's changing it. We think chinuch is pressuring the child. He says chinuch is pressuring yourself. The better that you are, the better your children will end up being. Unless there's, you know, trauma and things that make them whatever, but the normal chinuch, right? So it's, it's such a change. People go ahead and they, they behave, you know, eh, right? And then they, they pressure their child. Daven better, learn better, right? Be nicer, uh, on the child. He says, no, chinuch is dogma ishis. Be that personal example. Work, work on yourself. The big fear. Don't pressure your children. And there were stories, Reb Chaim's telling us, many cases that there were children who went off the derech. Because their parents damaged them to the extent that they mamish went off the derech. Because their parents pressured them and forced them to behave properly. 
No, 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 no. You know, anybody knows does that? No, no, don't you have to, you have to, you have to. Well, that's called pressure. And people think, well, that's our job. Says Rebchaim Kanievsky. No, it's not. It's not part of Chinuch. Pressure is not part of Chinuch. Val Piroiv says Rebchaim, usually, most of the times, and Neveya Mimasha Hoyim Tzadikim comes from the parents that they're tzaddikim, they're holy, they're righteous. And they want their children to be also holy and righteous. It's not coming because of shlecht, it's not coming because they're bad people. They're tzaddikim, and they connect Hashem by davening mamish, they love it, and they want the kids to also connect to daven. They love learning Torah. They want the children also to lo- to, to learn Torah. But the cause of the way that they do this, that they go to somebody who's not interested, the parents of tzaddikim, they're interested. They want it. They go to a kid who's not holding by that. Real chinuch is to make them want it. That they didn't do. The kid doesn't want it yet. Either they didn't get the right chinuch or the kid's not mature, whatever it is. So then he doesn't want it, so they pressure. Pressure causes the opposite of the desired effect, and the children get pushed further away from wanting to daven and learn. So the parents ruin their own outcome of what they wanted for their children. Maybe next year the kids would have wanted to learn a daven, but now because of the pressure, it might take another few years, or maybe never, as we know there are many stories. Many, many stories. This tragic mistake comes from not thinking rationally. The parents don't understand. You cannot educate children this way. When you are pressuring children, when you pressure the child, and you, how do you say kaifanaleim? Force them. What? Impose on them. That they must. Communism. Right? You achieve masigam afucha. You achieve the opposite result. He loses interest. You took out the, the battery. You took out his, his energy for wanting to do it. Your job is to make them want. I, I, I'm thinking of all different stories and all different things to add to this, but I want to keep this just about what Reb Chaim taught us. It says, The more you invest in your children, The more that you invest, the more nachas you will see from them. And certainly all of you parents are investing more into one kip than people do for a hundred kids. So that should be a schus for you that you'll see nachas from them. Ami Magazine, July 2015. The children who go off the derech are the mace mitzvah, the forgotten dead of our generation. The reward for caring for these kids who are lost and suffering is enormous. He also said, Marin addressed people's concern that they're going to lose out either in the chinuch of their own children or in their own spirituality by being makar of other people. It's a very big point. People say, I'm going to go bring other people into my house. My kids are going to lose out. Or I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm going to lose out. I'm going to be exposed to hearing or seeing things that I'd rather not, or I'm going to lose time from Tyra. Reb Chaim said, Reb Chaim said, clearly, and not only will you not lose out, but you will gain tremendously. Quote, whoever helps be Makar of Hashem's children will be saved from Tsar Gidobanim.
The video of Leif Shemei organization, there's a video of this. Maron was asked, there are Avrechim, I showed this here in the training, Avrechim who learn in Kail all day, they also learn in the evening. However, they also can use their time at night to mentor and be mechazek struggling boys. What option is preferable for their Avodah Hashem, for the Avodah Hashem of these Avrechim? What should they do at night? Should they go ahead and they should learn for themselves, Tyra? These are good, this is B'nai Brak. They're learning for real. Or should they give up of their own Tyra to go ahead and work with boys on the street? Reb Chaim asked them to bring a Chumash, and he did what's known as the Gairil Hagra, where he opened up randomly, which means that besides for the Seichel Hayasher and the, the Das Tyra of the Gadol Adar, it's even more. This is close to Nevuah. This is tapping into something which is on next level. Mamish hearing Urim Vatumim. And he opened up and he studied the page and then he raised his holy head and he said, Bez, Bachor. It's more important to help struggling boys at night than to learn night seder. Sefer Derech Sicha, Parashas Shlach, Omad Tov, Lamed Aleph. V'niyu be'inenu kechagovim v'cheinu yinu be'inehem. The Torah tells us in Bamidbar, that we were, we felt so small, we were like tiny grass, grasshoppers, and this is how they viewed us. And many Sfarim bring out from this Pasuk, the way it says, we were, we felt like grasshoppers, in our own eyes, we were like tiny grasshoppers, so say many Sfarim, right, that when you have a low self-image, low self-esteem, and you feel like a grasshopper, like a nobody, then the result is that's the way other people are going to look at you as well. So then in Derech Sicha it says, It's hard to say that. The name of Ermar Tchaman, Zatzal, that the opposite is also true. He says, look what happened by Rebbe Kiva. And you'll hear why this is very TP related. Rebbe Kiva was 40 years old, right? And he said, I would bite Tamut Chacham. He hated Torah. 40 years old. People would say, okay, at 40 years old, too late, right? I get calls about, oh, my kid's 30, my kid's 35, is there any hope? Rabbi Kiva was 40. And what did he do? Va'azva, hakol, he left his whole previous life. Why? I'm sorry, va'azva, hakol. But there was a woman, and she was a rich girl, and she could have married anybody that she wanted. She want, she had anybody in the world. But she went ahead and she said, no, I believe in you. I believe in you. I'm willing to lose everything for you. I won't give up on you no matter what they tell me. She got cut off from her father. She was so, so poor. I'm not even going to say what they tell us, what she had to eat. But what happened? Somebody believed in him. And even though he wasn't doing anything good at the time, that's what made him became, become the great tzaddik. Saved the Torah. His Talmidim were Rameir. Anybody else? Five. Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Huda. Shemba'echai. And the Rebbe. I'm sure. He only became worth something because she, the some woman, had the wisdom and the foresight to invest in his potential. Powerful. That's what Rabbi said. Shalahi. Uh, Everything that's mine is it's her, it's all your it, uh, us mine and yours. 
is hers. Why? Because he would have been 50, 60, 70, 80, the same Rebbe Kiva, who was not interested in learning, who said, I'm going to bite a Talmud Chacham. Rebbe Chaim added, This is true, experience has proven. That if somebody thinks he's a nobody, that this is the way that he will end up. When somebody comes to somebody who feels like a nobody and says, I believe in you. Even though they're not doing anything now to deserve it. I believe in you. I'm willing to be embarrassed for you. I'm willing to spend more money than I ever had for you. I'm willing to give up the world for you. I believe in you. I believe in you. I see you're good. Look what could happen. Look what could happen. From the worst, worst 40 years Amaretz, and he hated, tell me the Chacham, he hated Tyrus anti. And look what happened. How can, how can you imagine becoming God Adar and, and being Rabbi Kiva? Ami Living, 925-19, page 88. When Marin was asked how to deal with a rebellious student, he advised that instead of rebuking or punishment, Tanhala should go to the opposite extreme, and they should win the child over with pleasant tools of warmth and compassion. He added, although our Chachamim said, Smal doichav that the left hand should reject, push away, and the right hand should draw near. Reb Chaim Zatzal Tzchus said, in this day and age, both hands have to be mekarev. Lase Simun Ulchanich Ba'ahava, page 121. If you see a son that does not learn well with his father, but does learn successfully with others, this is because his father is so concerned that his son will succeed, that he's approaching him with too much pressure and force. Whereas the other person focuses on creating a pleasant relationship first and praises the boy. Right? The father sits down and it's all pressure. Lulu's learned. The other guy, he wants to get paid. Let's say he's getting paid or he wants his, he wants him to like him. So he's like, oh, hi, my she, what's doing? How's it going? There's a little bit of friendliness. He praises him. He makes him feel, oh, very good. There's much more positivity. From this other guy, says Reb Chaim. And this is usually caused again, he says a similar thing, by parents who are tzaddikim. And they so much want their children to be tzaddikim that they're intense about it. They have anxiety about it. So it comes out on the kid, out of love, out of concern. But what, what does the kid feel? It pushes him away, makes him stop, makes him lose his interest. It's not um, like licking honey. How do you say in Yiddish? Lekin honey. Yeah, yeah, right. And tired that to a child, and maybe to adults also, but to a child that's not sweet. So then, it, I'm not interested in it. So Nebuch, these parents that are tzaddikim, that all they want, they're ruining their own, their own nachas. They're ruining their own lives because they're going to have agmas nefesh. Rupchaim added, parents have to understand you cannot be mechanach children with pressure. And if you pressure them and force them, you achieve the opposite of your desired result, and the child will not want to learn in Davin. Irgun Lev Shamea. Maran was asked whether Avrechim should go out in the evenings to help Bachrim, who needed it. But they were concerned, similar question, but different, they were concerned leaving their wives and children at home at a time when they would usually be home would be to the detriment of their own children. They were worried about their children not having their father at home. Reb Chaim answered, if they're doing it l'shem mitzvah, for the mitzvah of helping others, no harm will form them or their families as a result. Shluchem mitzvah enim nezakim. Sefer Teres Chaim, page 110, quoted in Praying with Fire by Rabbi Heshi Kleinman. 
page 66. A man asked her, Rabbi Yaakov Yisrael Kanievsky, Zatzal, known as the stipler going, for a bracha to see Yiddish Anachas first from his children. And the stipler replied, to see Yiddish Nachas, you must daven. Until this very day, I still daven for my Chayimul success. Incredibly, this episode occurred when his son, Maran Tsar Hatayr Chaim Kanievsky, was already 52 years old. 52 years old. And his father says, I'm crying tears. I daven for my son Chaim's success every single day. Reb Chaim, Reb Shmuel David Friedman's Shlita brings down the story that Reb Chaim asked his father, the stipler, we don't find any specific tefillah in Shemayin Esri to, to daven for good children. So when in Shemayin Esri do you daven for me? The stipler answered that we say in Maidim, L'doyr v'doyr noydel l'cha unesaper t'hilosecha. From generation to generation we thank you, we relate to your praise. Stipler said this is where I daven, that I should merit to have future generations that will thank and praise Hashem. Obviously, we should all learn from this, that this is a place, when I, as soon as I heard this, I started davening also. We should all daven. If it worked for the stipler, he said, this is the place to daven. We should all concentrate on these words. When, when we reach these words, we should beg Hashem to merit having Erlich Hadaris that will thank and praise Hashem. Remailich Biedemann Shlita says in Bera Parsha, it is well known that in his youth, Mariner of Chaim Kanievsky, did not succeed to his full p- potential while learning Bi'un, the in-depth style of the Lamji Yeshiva, where they would spend an entire semester learning just a few pages of Gemara. Did you know that? He was not Matzliach. So his father, the stipler, realized that his son was more suited to learn at a faster pace, Bikiyas, and he encouraged young Chaim to learn according to his inborn natural tendencies. Alpi, Darkoi. But this was a big Kiddush, because to tell a kid, we're talking about the Godel Adar, the stipler, the Godel Adar's son, to get out of the yeshiva system, and to go on his own, and to learn Bikiyas, Shvach. I mean, I learned in Philly, and I, my father was not the stipler, and I'm not the prime. But even in Philly, we wanted to learn faster, but we knew that's already Sug Beis, you know? You're not going to be part of the learning four blot of Yavamis over a winter, or six blot, I don't want to exaggerate, six blot of Yavamis over a winter's man. You're, you're Shvach, you're never going to get married, you're not going to have a Shidduch. So, you see over here, the guts, the guts that it took, even though this style of learning was considered second rate in the yeshiva world, he still did not pressure his son to conform to the predominant learning style. A, a smaller father would have told his son, pressure, pressure, stick with it, you'll enjoy it, the, the sweetness will come, you want to get married, it's not good for the family, all kinds of terutzim, but not the stipler. And in the end, his strategy was pretty good. It was pretty successful, yeah? <laughs> the entire Klal Yisrael Zaycha to have the benefit of Maran Sarah Torah Chaim Kanievsky. What's interesting from an educational perspective, adds Ramayluch Biederman, is that in addition to having the vast encyclopedic knowledge of the entire Torah at his fingertips, he also shined in the category of Lamdanus as well. His great success is thanks to the, the vision of his great and very wise father. And I would add, humble. It takes a certain anava to be able to, 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 to do this. The stipler who understood this child's nature and did not pressure him to conform to societal norms just for the sake of fitting in and sticking with the mainstream, 
but rather he supported this specific child's inborn capabilities and boosted his God-given talents. This incredibly bold chenuch move enabled this Reb Chaim to become even greater than his father, as the stipler himself wrote in an introduction to Reb Chaim's farm. So if he would have just given up the Iyun, and he would have become the encyclopedic brain in Bekiyas, Dayenu. And if not, we could have lost everything. But not only did he have this Bekiyas, but in Iyun also he was a Gadolantar. A family that came to me about their kip son, who was suicidal and off the derech, sent in their uncle for a bracha. This is a familiar story. From Reb Chaim. Yeah, oh, they're here. Uh, I'm, I, I just don't want to hang on. You, don't, you want to be on video? No, so let me do it. They're here though, so you can see if I'm saying it correctly. The uncle, uh, so Reb Chaim said, Rafua Shalema. The uncle replied, what about Yerushalayim? Can the Rav give a bracha that he should be chayzer b'tshuva? Correct? And Reb Chaim replied, this is chayla nefesh. Rafua sa-nefesh or Rafua sa-guf. This means that, it's so amazing, Reb Chaim could have said, oh, yes, he should get better and he should also do tshuva. Reb Chaim looked at this as a machla. Someone has cancer, you don't say, should be chayzer b'tshuva. So he should have a refu shalema, of course he'll be chayzer b'tshuva. He didn't, he didn't agree to give a bracha for the spiritual salvation because it seemed obvious to him that there's no reason for that. These kids are emotionally sick. If he has a refu shalema, he, he will get better baruchnis. He doesn't have any spiritual machla. I always say that. They don't have a spiritual machla. They have an emotional machla, psychiatric machla, whatever they're going through that's causing all of this. And Reb Chaim, you see, in his great wisdom, he wouldn't even, he could have just said bua, right, for that. No. He explained more words. Every letter counted. He said, no. Das is chayla nefesh. Rufusa nefesh, rufusa guf. It doesn't have anything to do with Yiddishkeit. Another true story. Did I say it correctly? Thank you. True story. Parents came to me for guidance about their son who was severely depressed and left the path of Yiddishkeit. After a few years of following my guidance, we had a lot of siyata deshmaya. Their son became functional and happy. And finally the day came that he was getting married, Kedas Moshev Yisrael, a regular hall. A few days before the wedding, the parents told me, we've been following your advice long enough to know that the most important thing for our son's future and his stability and his success to build a Bayis Neman Yisrael is for him to feel completely accepted and for him to feel the strength of being a part of our family. But we have a problem. I'll never forget this. It was such an interesting, only TP parents come up with this question. We have a problem. All the men in their family wear a black hat. And we're very concerned that this son, even though he's, he's everything great, getting married, he's not going to wear a black hat. So at his wedding, he's going to be like the black sheep in the family. Well, not the, the black hat, the opposite of the black hat in the family. And therefore, it would be terrible for him that at his own wedding, he's the one sticking out being the different one, the shvach one, the weak one, the one who didn't make it. Like the, like like everybody else at his own wedding should be the greatest night of his life. You're going to take a picture and it's going to look like a bunch of charedim together with a waiter, right? So this is how they were thinking. We're we're making him feel bad by us, even though it's just us being us. But we don't want him to feel bad to be the different one. We don't want him to have that feeling in any way, shape, or form. And then they shocked me. So we're thinking in order for him to feel that he's not any less chashuv than the rest of the family. 
we should all not wear our hats to his wedding. Can you imagine? And the father says, I know that. People are going to wonder what happened over here. I have, I, this guy was a, a Chasheva Bantaira. He was a Balkaira. He was a, a Gabai in a shul. He's going to have people who know him his whole life. And he's going to walk down the chuppah without a, without a hat? What? Okay. okay, yeah, interesting. Okay. Okay, so he said, I know that people are going to wonder why I am under my son's chuppah without a hat, but that's not what's important to me. I don't care what people say. This is what I'm thinking. The most important thing for us is that our son has the best chance to live a happy and successful Yiddish life, and feeling that he is a complete success and equal to us will help him achieve that. Absolutely amazing. What an einfall, what an idea. This very chashav, a yeshivish, a middle-aged man was willing to walk his child down to the chuppah without a hat and spend the whole night, and he was asked, he, he mentioned it to his sons and his sons-in-law, all yeshiva guys, and they all agreed. They said, if that's what you want, Tati, if that's what you feel is best for him, we will do that. Isn't that nice? It used to be something called kibud ava'im. It's a lost art. They all said, it's your child. If you feel this is best for our brother, our brother-in-law, we, we'll do it. They didn't fight him. Okay? And they, were all, they would all leave their black hats home for the entire evening. I told them, even though I'm very impressed with their level of sensitivity to help their son, it's out of my pay grade. And they need, they need to ask Das Taira. So they posed this question to Maran, Sar HaTaira, Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Reb Chaim advised them to wear their hats only to the chuppah and for benching, but not for the rest of the wedding. Amazing, right? Chuppah is chuppah, okay? And benching, okay, it's a mitzvah sasei in the Torah, it's whatever. But Reb Chaim understood, that's the minimum, and it would have been fine. It means by the shmorg, no hats, right? After the chuppah, first dance, no hat. In between, no hat. Benching put on, it would have accomplished the same thing. The kid would have felt equal, you know, they would have gotten it. And okay, you guys like to put on your hat for the few minutes. It would have, brilliant, right? But, but a chiddush, but he understood that even though Haredi weddings, right? He lived in Bnei Brak. He was pretty from. Nobody goes throughout the wedding without your hat on. But that's an extra. Give up the extra. Chuppah is a chuppah. Benching is a benching. The rest is a, a chum or a whatever you want to call it. Right? That you give up. So amazing that he understood that. He understood the reasoning behind their special request. And he determined, the Sarah Taira, God Ladar, determined the potential to help this child was more important than maintaining the proper standard of yeshivish attire where it isn't absolutely necessary. All the men in the family agreed to discreetly take their hats off for the wedding. They're going to take it off. They're just going to put it on by the chuppah and take it off. Fine. And they didn't mention anything to the chassan. Why? Because if they would have told the chassan, it would have ruined the whole thing. What are they going to tell them? We're all going to go down, be yared from our godless and to make you feel good. It would ruin the whole thing. So they didn't say anything. They just made up among themselves we're not going to wear hats. We'll put it on by the chuppah. We'll take it off afterwards. We'll put it on for benching. Nothing was mentioned to the chassan. Listen to this. Literally, on the way to the wedding hall, the chassan told his father something that was completely unexpected. He tells his father in the car, on the way to the chassan hall, I think I want to wear a black hat under my chuppah. They went to the hat store, which was fortunately right near the wedding hall, Bencraft. 
And they picked out a black yeshivish hat. Why do you want to wear black? Could have worn blue, gray? No, black hat under the chuppah. And indeed, he matched his family for the wedding. The guy asked him, he's trying on a hat. He says, oh, what's this for? He says, my wedding. He said, well, very nice. When's the wedding? He said, in 15 minutes. Wow. So, what is this, amorphous? It's something weird, something interesting. I feel that the fact that the entire family truly wanted him to appear on equal footing and were willing to go out of their comfort zone to help their brother, and they did everything that they could do according to Das Taira. So then, that's what somehow caused the Chassan to subconsciously come up with an idea which was way out of, this is totally not where he was holding, out of his comfort zone to compensate for the part that they couldn't do for him. They went ahead and they were giving up 90% of the wedding they were going to go, and the other 10% that they were going to wear their hats, he then put it on, so that way they were always together. They wanted to be on equal footing with him, and somehow this clicked in his brain without knowing it. Without knowing it, that seems to be the logical idea of what happened. But probably Reb Chaim had something to do with it also. Maybe that's why he told him to, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. It's just an unbelievable story. But we see how Reb Chaim was sensitive. He wasn't this like, no, don't go down, don't. What you should all go down from your godless to for one guy? No, there's none of this kanoi stuff. And and it was just glad as Torah. Yeah, do everything you can, and you could still be you when you need to be. Before coming to me for guidance, Rabbi Morgenstern asked Martin Rav Chaim for a bracha. The Rav blessed him with the following three words: bracha v'hatzlacha b'tipul. Now we all know Rav Chaim said buha because you know every word, every word, every letter was was energy from him. Bracha v'atzlachi, he added the word tipul. What's a tipul? TP. <laughs> Very good. Tipul is a treatment. When someone, Rahman al-Islam, goes for chemo, it's a tipul, it's a treatment method. He understood that coming here is not just coming for some advice. He understood what we're doing, what you are doing, is a tipul. We are doing a therapy tipul, a treatment method on saving our children's but our children by trying to heal their broken essence from the inside. Ultimately, everything that you do for him, with him and to him, is a treatment to heal their inner pain and eventually lead him or her to have an incredible, to have incredible courage to try and rebuild their lives from the inside out. And that's why Baruch Hashem, we have good success in this tipul. But Reb Chaim saw with his Ruach HaKadosh that what you're doing, you're not just stam, uh, getting advice and you're not just going along with it and, you know, people summarize TP, oh, you give them whatever they want. It's a tipul. That's what Reb Chaim saw in Shemayim. It's a tipul. This is a treatment method. And finally, there's a family that went, before coming here, they went to Reb Chaim Kanievsky for a bracha and he told them four things. Keep your daughter at home, the second thing was about the other kids. Don't worry about them being affected neg- negatively. Daven for them and they'll be fine. The third thing he said, listen to whatever Avi says. And the fourth thing he said was, You will yet see nachas from her. Now, it is a health and that they should have it. And you should all see nachas from all of your children. But I think it's totally in number three. It's totally in number three. <laughs> listen to whatever I say. Then came number four. 
but we're doing a tipu. This is a drop in the bucket of what the world got from Rukhayim, but it helps us out a lot. We can learn a lot of these lessons, and we should apply it to our children. Yehei Zichrei Baruch.